Good morning, Cornerstone Church, and I hope and I pray that despite all the difficult circumstances that we've found ourselves in, that you've had a lovely Christmas. And here we are, the last Sunday of this year, 2020, which I'm sure none of us will ever forget. And we come to the last part of our series of looking at the real people in the Nativity story, real people with broken lives, with difficult circumstances of which the Lord Jesus Christ came into it. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading from verse 22. Verse 22. Let's read. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought it up to, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to him, according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then, as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Like I said, right at the start, I hope and pray that you have had a wonderful Christmas. And I, I wonder what you got. I wonder what was on your list. I wonder if what was on your list was completely ticked off and you got everything that you wanted, everything that you had asked for. But if I was to ask you, what would be the one thing that you would want? What would it be? What would be put on that list? What would be the one thing that if you knew you could have it, you would put it on the list? See, folks, there are all sorts of different motivations for wanting things at Christmas, aren't there? All sorts of desires. We need stuff. Some of us need undies and socks, and thank the Lord I got my yearly supply of those things this year. Sometimes it's because we, we, we just want to buy something for somebody. Maybe it's because we've seen the latest iPhone or the latest computer system. Maybe it's the latest kitchen appliance. Whatever it is, there are all different motivations. But for some of us, it's also because we see other people have those things. We just spot a bit of clothing that someone's got and we think, oh, that, I'd really like that. I'll put that on the list. For some of us, it's experiences. 
It's, it's an experience that we'd love to have. It's a, it's, a, it's a relationship that we would love to have. If there was one thing that we could put on our list, it would be that. See, often people put certain things on their list is because they are fearful of missing out on the benefits of that thing or the benefits of that experience. FOMO, the fear of missing out. See, it's FOMO that dominates our culture. See, folks, we see it at Christmas, don't we? We, we? we see it, everybody queuing up. Well, especially when I was younger, people would queue up for hours to get this particular toy that every child wanted because if the child didn't get the toy, it meant that they were the only one that didn't have it. It dominates Christmas. It dominates the January sales. Not only products, but also experiences, like I said before. Everybody's got a bucket list, the hundred things that you need to do before you die. And if you don't do any of those things before you die, you've missed out on what life has to offer. See, often we, we, we want to experience the best of everything because if we don't experience that, then we've missed out on life. And one of the biggest fears of our culture is getting to the end of life and feeling we've gotten, not gotten our money's worth. We haven't got out of it what we could have. But if we are truly honest, the ever-expanding Christmas lists or the reducing of our bucket list will never completely satisfy. It's interesting, isn't it, that literally on the 27th and in some cases on the 26th of December, we're queuing up at early hours to get the bargain. To get, to get that next thing. And for some of us, it's because we need something and we can get it cheap. For some of us, it's just the thrill of getting something cheaper than the original price. We find that satisfaction, even though we've just had a day of being given lots of gifts and enjoying an element of experience. See, folks, these things, yes, they bring happiness. And they do, yes, bring a level of satisfaction. But if we are honest, that satisfaction is fleeting it is interesting that every year we have a new list don't we a new list for new things or a new list for new experiences but if we were honest what is the one thing that we would want can i suggest something to you can i suggest that that thing is peace peace in your mind peace with your past Peace in your relationships, a peace about your future, a peace about your kids' future, a peace in the midst of the situation that you find yourself in. If we are truly honest, we want peace. We want peace from the worry of what is going to happen because of COVID-19. We want a peace from the worry of when will be the next time we see our family and see our friends. We want peace from this this. this anxiety that we have on, on, on are we allowed to, to, to hug this person? How, how close can we go? We want peace from the anxiety of not being able to meet with God's people. Folks, if we are honest, the one thing that we all want is an element of peace. Now what we've read today in Luke chapter 2 and right at the end of the Christmas nativity story, we are met by two people, Simeon and Anna. Older people who, for most of their lives, have been waiting for one thing. The arrival 
of the promised one of God, the arrival of the Messiah, the arrival of the Lord's Christ, the arrival of Jesus. And what we see in this passage, as we read it, when they meet Jesus, even though he is a young baby, when they meet Jesus, they experience peace. Now the Bible tells us that Simeon was a devout man, a righteous man, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was waiting for one thing. And the Bible describes it as this, the consolation of Israel. Now the word consolation means comfort. So Simeon, a man who followed the law of God, a man who was devout in his worship to God, a man that the Bible says was filled with the Spirit, is longing and waiting for one thing, the one who would come to bring comfort to God's people Israel, the promised Saviour, the promised Christ, he was waiting for Jesus. Now, it tells us that it had been revealed to him. We don't know how, whether that was a visit of an angel, whether it was an audible voice from God, or, or whether or not it was within prayers or in vision, but it had been revealed to him that God had promised that he would not die till he saw the Christ. Till he saw the consolation of Israel. Till he held the promised one in his arms. That's Simeon. And we also meet Anna. Anna, it tells us, there was a prophetess. Now it tells us that Anna had been married, but after seven years of being married, she died. and Her husband had died, sorry. And she had then spent the rest of her life in the temple, never leaving the temple, constantly worshipping through fasting and prayer. We've got Simeon and we've got Anna, two people waiting for the coming of Jesus. Now Simeon was longing for something that had been promised to him. Anna found herself in a broken, sad situation that left her physically alone. Folks, to be widowed in those days was a terrible thing. You were often, especially if you could not be redeemed by a family member, you were often left alone. That's why God puts in his, put in his Lord that God's people had to care for the orphan and also care for the widow because the circumstances for somebody who didn't have parents and the circumstances for somebody that had lost their husband was brutal. So Anna found herself in a broken, sad situation, physically alone. We had one man who was longing for something and another that was waiting for, 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 for relief, for peace in the midst of this hopeless, sad situation. Two people longing for the peace that only God can bring. Now there are several things that I want us to see in the midst of this passage, in this story regarding peace for us. And the first one is this, the peace is found in the promises of God's word. Verse 29. You see there, verse 29, what does Simeon say? Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. According to your word. Now, folks, there are different ways of reading the Bible. Now, hear me rightly. I'm not saying that there are different ways to interpret the Bible. The Bible is one story. There are countless applications that affect all people, people in different ways because we have different lives, we live different stories. But there is one story 
There is one way to read and understand the truth of the gospel, but there are different ways for God to speak to us in the midst of that. There is one way of reading the Bible is through a biblical framework of redemption. That actually, as you read the Bible, you see that God created the world. There was a fall because man sinned. And then God brings about this redemption story to, to bring about redemption. And we are redeemed in the cross of Jesus. And then we await the coming of Jesus where the whole consummation of all things are put together. We have this biblical, biblical framework, creation, decreation, the fall, recreation, and then the promise of a new creation. Or you could read it as you read it through, that actually you could follow the, the story narrative where what we see is that God chooses a people for himself to display his glory to and to display his glory through. That's the other way. Well, the other way, as you read through the story, you can hear God say, trust me, trust me, trust my word and trust my promises. See, Simeon holds Jesus in his arms. He looks up to the Father and says that, that, that he is now departing in peace according to the word of God, according to the promises of God. Simeon had lived his life hearing God say, trust me, trust me, trust me. And as he held that baby in his arms, the fulfillment of that promise came. See, peace came about for Simeon according to God's word, according to God's promise. Folks, peace is found in the promises of God. The promises that have already been fulfilled. Folks, we are coming out of the back end of a time in our calendar where we celebrate the fulfillment of promises. The fulfillment of the promise that God said to his people that one day he would send a son, a son, Born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God who will be with us, and the government will be upon his shoulder. There were promises that that would happen in Bethlehem. There were promises that he would be a shepherd. Folks, we have just celebrated the fulfillment of those promises. And peace is not only found in knowing that those promises have been fulfilled, peace is also found in knowing that those promises sustain. That the Lord Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins, that he grows to be a man, he dies upon a cross, and he rises again, ascends to be with the Father. So we have a promise that Jesus has saved us, that Jesus have taken, has taken what we have, we, we deserve. He is risen again, that assures us newness of life, and he has ascended to, in, to be with the Father so that we, his people, are in his presence, and he is coming back for us. Folks, Peace is found in knowing that those promises sustain us. They sustain us. And the promise of him declaring who we are, we are his children. You are who he says you are. And folks, peace is found in the promises that are yet to be fulfilled. That we have a peace knowing that brokenness and sadness and rejection will not have the last word that Jesus will return and make all things new. Folks, peace is found in the promises of God's word. God says, trust me, I do and I will keep my promises. And that's what Simeon experienced and that's what we experience as his people. Number two, peace is found in seeing salvation versus 
13.35. See, Simeon holds the baby and basically says, I see the very person I have been waiting for. The, the very one who will bring comfort to God's people. I have seen Jesus. See, Simeon and Anna both knew. They both knew that they needed salvation. And they both knew who would bring that. Simeon knew that God's people needed the comfort uh, and the promised Messiah. Anna knew that she needed the comfort and the promised Messiah. Hence, waiting in the temple, praising and longing for him. See, folks, for those of us who are Christians, we also know that our salvation, our comfort, our consolation is Jesus. But often we miss out on the peace of what that means because we think salvation and comfort and peace are found in other things and we become distracted by those things. Can I remind you the true peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding is only found in knowing Jesus, who is our hope, who is our comfort, who is our peace. See, we need to be saved. And Jesus is our salvation. Folks, if you are not a Christian, can I please, can I please tell you the peace is not found in the latest experience. The peace is not found in the ticking off of any wish list. The peace is not even found in a perfect family Christmas. And peace is not found in life getting back to normal after this horrendous year that we've experienced. Peace is found in seeing salvation. Peace is found in seeing Jesus. In seeing who he is. In seeing what he's done. And in seeing what he has promised. Because in him, there is peace. There is peace for this life. And there is peace for the next. And you need salvation for both. In knowing that this life isn't all that it is, that actually you've been saved, that when you close your eyes on this life, you will open them up, seeing Jesus in the wonder of, of the fullness of what life was meant to be. When you have that salvation... It saves you as you walk through this broken world that we all experience and we are saved from that. We're saved from the weight, the ultimate weight of that, the consequences of that, the punishment of that to some degree. Folks, there is salvation now and there is salvation to come in the presence of Jesus, in seeing Jesus, in seeing salvation. It was at the point of Simeon and Anna seeing Jesus that they saw their salvation. Number three, peace is found in knowing that you are known. Again, 32, 35, God's people were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the promised one that God had promised would come and save them. But Jesus wasn't only going to come and save them. He was also going to save those who had no knowledge of that promise. The Gentiles. See, Jesus came to bring peace for those who were strangers to the promises of God. As well as those who knew those promises. Gentiles. Now folks, 
Gentiles, often people who had not lived in any way to honour God. People whose lives were contrary to the God of the Bible. People who, many of them, oppressed God's people in some way. And at the point of Jesus, the Romans themselves were oppressing God's people. But this peace and this salvation was for those people as well. See, Jesus would bring light. And the promises of God would be revealed to them, even though God knew how they had lived, and even though God knew their hearts. This light, Jesus, would reveal the true issues of people's hearts. He would reveal what he already knows. See, there peace. There is peace in knowing what that others know. Are you with me? There is peace in knowing that others know. I don't know about you, if you've engaged in something or you've done something or you've hidden something. That sense of restlessness and anxiety. And once that is all out, even though there are consequences, you have a sense of peace. When you confess and when you repent, Folks, there is peace when others know. And there is particular peace when others know and others still love you. See, God knows the worst about you. And even knowing the worst about you, sent his son Jesus to die for you, to save you, and to give you peace. For those of us who are Christians, he knows you. He loves you. And whatever is going on, that does not change. Folks, that brings peace. And for those of you who aren't Christians, he knows you. He loves you. And he invites you into this peace. Peace is found in knowing that you are known. The next one. Peace is experienced because of conflict, verses 33 to 35. See, folks, peace is sought after and desired because there is conflict. We long for it because there is turmoil in the world. There's anxiety and turmoil in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. And without conflict, we would have no concept of peace this is true for any kind of peace any kind of peace but this ultimate peace eternal peace is only experienced because jesus stepped into that conflict see when the angels declared to the shepherds the the a baby had been born bethlehem and then they declared peace on earth to, for all men, peace on earth, peace on earth. What are they declaring? God knows that there is a conflict. God knows that there is turmoil. God knows that you carry anxiety with you, but now peace will come. Why? Because God steps into the conflict. See, Simeon tells Mary and Joseph, the verse 34, this baby that I am holding will be opposed by people. And Mary, 
as you see him grow, as you see him rejected, as you see him killed, a sword will pierce your own soul. But as he steps into that conflict and experiences that conflict, he will turn this kingdom upside down, bringing the rise of many, but also bringing the fall of many. See, glory will come. Peace will come through suffering. This peace will come through Jesus stepping into the conflict for the sake of reconciliation. See, folks, peace is experienced because of conflict. Without conflict, we have no concept of peace. And the reason why we have a concept of peace is because we experience conflict, brokenness, sadness, turmoil, anxiety, restlessness. And God, when he sends his son, the Lord Jesus, the promised one who steps in as the comfort of Israel steps in to bring light to the Gentiles and steps into that conflict, to face that conflict, to deal with that conflict so that we would have peace. Do you remember when we were doing the Beatitudes, when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, it says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, more than happy are the peacemakers. Folks, Jesus stepped in. He wasn't passive, but he was proactive. He he stepped right, he took responsibility of the conflict that we had caused. And because he does that, we now are able to experience peace with God and peace with each other. Jesus is the peacemaker. And we experience this peace because Jesus stepped in to the conflict. Jesus stepped in and died in our place. He died in our place. He took death. The one thing that we are most fearful of. The one thing this year has, which has become very clear and very apparent. That we are not immortal. We are mortal. That we will die. People are fearful of going to shops. People are fearful of hugging their family. Why? Because they could catch a disease that may kill them, die. Why are we fearful of death? Why is there a big fear around it? If death is just a natural part of life, why are we so fearful of it? The reason being is, is because we are fearful for what comes after. Why? Because we were not made to deal with this conflict. We have not been created to deal with this conflict of brokenness, of sadness, of suffering. We've not been made to deal with this conflict that ultimately ends in death. See folks, death is an interruption into God's purposes. Death was not the intention when God created the world. But because of our rejection of God, rejection of his word, rejection of his promises, sin enters the world and the wages of sin is death. There is a conflict that has been created, but God steps into that conflict and takes the ultimate consequence of that conflict, death itself, 
so that we might live, so that we might have peace, so that we might live now knowing that death is not the end, that Jesus has conquered death in rising again and by faith in him, we also will live. That is great peace. That causes us to go to the grave with peace. That's why an old man could hold the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I depart in peace because he knew what he was going to do and we know what he has done for us. Peace is experienced because of conflict. Next one, peace is known in his presence. See, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple in order to be in line with the law of God. And Simeon and Anna both experienced this peace when they saw Jesus that brought freedom because they were in his presence. 2 Corinthians 3 tells us where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Folks, freedom is intrinsically connected to peace. Intrinsically. Peace brings freedom. It brings freedom. So you could be locked up in a prison, but if you know the peace that is found in the presence of Jesus, you are truly free. And that's true for people who are part of Cornerstone Church, who've actually experienced that, that have been locked up in prison, but know the peace of Jesus, so therefore they are free. We read it with the Apostle Paul, who time after time was imprisoned because he preached the gospel, because, but because he knew peace in the presence of Jesus, he was truly free. Folks, it was the presence of Jesus that brought peace for these two dear old people who have been waiting for many years for the promised Messiah. Folks, I want us to hold on and know the peace is only found in the presence of Jesus. And if we remove ourselves from that, we have no peace. Folks, we know this. When we remove ourselves from the presence of Jesus, when we don't engage with him through prayer, when we don't engage with him in his word as he speaks to us, when we don't engage with him in the midst of his people, we're restless. We don't have that peace. We don't have that peace when we try and find that peace outside of his presence. And if that's what we're doing, folks, we'll be searching for a lifetime and we will never find that peace that satisfies. See, the peace that Simeon and Anna experienced is only found in the presence of Jesus. Peace is known in his presence. Next one. Peace brings a humility and a single-minded devotion to Jesus. See, what's interesting is that the promise of God to both Simeon and Anna brought a level of peace. So even though they had not seen Jesus, the promise that one day he would, Simeon, and the promise that God was sending a comforter for Anna brought an element of peace. And that peace brought humility that brought about a single-minded devotion for Jesus. This was the promise that they had been given. God had spoken to them, revealed to them that one day they would see and know. And therefore it changed the trajectory in the course of their lives to make them singly, their single-minded devotion was for Jesus. See, the promise of peace changed how they lived. See, Anna never left the temple. Yes, it was a safe place for her, but she devoted herself to worship 
through prayer and fasting as she longed for the coming of Jesus. See, folks, a lack of peace brings what? It brings pride. And it brings a mind that is not singly devoted to Jesus. It actually brings a mind that is all over the place. All over the place. When people don't have peace, you are all over the place. See, when we know that peace that surpasses understanding, how we view Jesus, how we approach him, his church, lost people, is very different. See, his purposes, his glory, his name, his fame become the most important thing to you. The most important thing, the primary thing, the number one priority. When you know the peace that is found in Jesus, it brings a humility and a single-minded devotion to actually you recognize that you, you, you do not deserve what you have. You don't deserve this peace, but Jesus gives it to you, so it changes how you live. So therefore, his fame, his glory is the priority, and everything else just, just dwindles into insignificance, the fear of what other people think. We don't want to live our lives to the praise of others but rather we live our lives to the praises of him. See, folks, Anna sees Jesus, and what is her response? What's her response? After 70-odd years, she goes and tells everybody who will hear about him, praising his name. She goes and speaks of him to everybody. So actually her life was, was on a trajectory, single-minded devotion in the midst of humility. And as soon as she sees that salvation, she knows the fullness of that peace. What does she do? She goes and she tells others about him. Folks, is that what we're doing? As those who know the peace of God, those who say that we have that peace that surpasses understanding, is that reflected in how we live? See, folks, this peace enables you to walk through life's difficulties with a different perspective and a different approach. See, I've said this many times before, and if you're bored, I don't apologize, because this is the, my favorite verses in the Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, the issue is this. When you know Jesus, when you know the Lord, the Lord who is over all things, the Lord who is all so near, you don't have to switch off to the reality of the brokenness of this life. You can live life with a sense of reasonableness. You can be saddened by this brokenness that you are experiencing. But the anxiety that is brought up in you is something that you're able to take to that Lord who is near. Because you have a peace, because you have a humility, because you have a single-minded devotion for Jesus, the anxiety that you feel you're able to bring to his feet because you know he is over all things. That also brings peace. And that peace, this is what Paul says in Philippians, that peace that surpasses all understanding guards your heart. It guards your heart in Christ Jesus. So when, when you are affected by circumstances, when you're walking through the brutal year of, a twen of 2020, the peace that is only found in knowing the God who is over all and who is also near 
helps us to live through those anxieties in the midst of the reality of sadness and God promises that that peace will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. That peace will enable us to live lives with single-minded devotion for Him. For Him. Folks, peace brings a humility and a single-minded devotion to Jesus. And finally, peace is found in Jesus, protected by Jesus, and ultimately experienced because of Jesus. It's found in Him. There is a baby brought into a temple and two old people longing for the coming of Jesus see him and experience that peace, the fullness of that peace. It's protected by him. That actually we have a peace. Jesus, when he leaves his disciples to be with his father, he says, the peace I, I give to you, the, pe the peace I leave with you, the peace I give to you. There is a peace a peace in the midst of this broken conflict, knowing that Jesus will return. And it's experienced because of him. Jesus has dealt with the conflict of sin, of brokenness, of our rejection of God. He has dealt with that. On the cross, taking our death, rising again, and we by faith follow him and therefore have peace. And peace that when he returns, all things will be made new. Peace is found in Jesus, protected by Jesus, and ultimately experienced because of Jesus. For those of us who are Christians, those of you who are younger Christians, and you know, decide for yourself whether you're in that bracket. Younger folks, peace is found in nothing else but Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Can I encourage you, please, do not adopt a FOMO attitude to life. Because in doing so, you may miss out on the very peace that your heart needs, on the very peace that life, your life needs. For those of you who are older, can I encourage you to see the example of Simeon and Anna? Can I encourage you as you get older, and maybe even this year has caused you to grow older, even more. Can I encourage you, keep alive to his beauty, have passion for his glory, and live with real hope for his coming, and display what living with peace in Christ truly looks like to the next generation. Can I encourage you to do that? And for those of you who aren't Christians, no freedom without the peace of God found in Jesus will satisfy like him. There is no peace, there is no freedom found without finding it in Jesus. And your heart will be restless till you find that peace in him. If you are restless, come to Jesus. He is inviting you in. Folks, your heart's desire is peace. And Jesus is saying, you can find it in and through me Come and rest. Come and rest. Peace. Peace is something that as we close out 2020, it's the last Sunday of 2020, a year like no other, no other, 
Peace is something that we need. And as we close it up, I just want to say this. There is so much, folks, so much I don't understand about life in this broken world. But one thing I know is that the brokenness will not have the last word. Jesus will. He doesn't give me, he doesn't give us all the answers now. But he does give me and give us the peace and the grace to keep limping along and promises a day, a day that will come when we will say, when I will say, when you will say, I see now. I see why this happened. I see what you were up to when I felt more pain than your presence. Jesus promises a day when he will wipe away the tears, answer the questions, and for that I am grateful. And it's that promise that helps me take the next step with peace. It is the promise of that day that I long for. And it's the promise giver who brings peace who I live for. Do you? Do you? Folks, never in our lifetime have we experienced a year where the need for Jesus has been so great. Do you know this peace? Do you know this peacemaker? Do you know Jesus? I pray that you do. And if you don't, I pray that you come to know him. God bless you, folks. 2020 is nearly done. We look forward as his people, knowing that 2021 may be better, or it may be worse. But we look beyond that knowing that Jesus will return one day and make all things new. That brings peace. That brings comfort. That brings joy. That brings hope. God bless you. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God of peace and in Jesus, comfort and peace is found. Help us to know that peace that surpasses all understanding and guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. Bless us as we move from this difficult year into a new year. We ask, Lord, that you would protect us and be with us. Give us peace and hope for your glory's sake. Amen.